What is going on, sports fans, and welcome into Season 4, Episode 6 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. And we've got an absolutely awesome show lined up for you today. The MLB season is in full swing, about 30 games in. Some teams starting to separate themselves. Some teams playing very well. I'll have an update on those teams. And the Cleveland Guardians, who are kind of hanging around in the standings a little bit. We're also going to talk about the NFL, the schedule for the 2022 season released last night. We're going to play the schedule game with the Cleveland Browns, give you my official record prediction with a first look at the schedule. And we're also going to give you the biggest game on each team's schedule. We'll go team by team, give you the biggest game on each team's schedule as well. And then we wrap up the episode today with NBA playoff and NHL playoff updates. A lot of great series going on. The NHL playoffs are in the first round, the NBA playoffs in the second round. And it's it's been two very good postseasons in both sports. But first, as always, this episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, creation tools, editing tools, Everything you need to make your very own podcast right from your phone or computer. So, if you want to make your very own podcast, here's what you need to do. You need to download the free Anchor app from the App Store, Microsoft Store, or Google Play Store today. Or log online to anchor.fm. That's anchor.fm to start with your very own podcast today. Today is Friday, May 13th. Let's go. And welcome back into Season 4, Episode 6 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. Let's start today with the MLB, Major League Baseball. Uh, it's kind of the only regular season that's happening right now. Obviously, we, like I said in the open, we got the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs happening right now. But in terms of what season it is right now, I would venture to say most people would agree that it's baseball season. So that's where we start today. Um, we'll get into the standings, which teams are hot, which teams are not. Big storylines and stuff, but I want to start with the Cleveland Guardians. So the Guardians are 15-15 on the year. Right now they sit two games back of the first place Minnesota Twins in the AL Central standings. And they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They've been playing well, notching some good wins, some improbable wins. And we're going to start with an improbable win that happened this Monday. It was one of the best games I've ever seen. One of the best Guardians comebacks since... Uh, 2001 when the Indians then came back from an 11-run deficit, I believe, against the Seattle Mariners. It was on Sunday Night Baseball. I think they were down 13-2 in the seventh inning. They came back to win. But this game was very reminiscent of that. So 
The Guardians were in Chicago on Monday night playing the White Sox. They were down 8-2 in the top of the ninth inning. Andres Jimenez hits a home run. It's 8-3. And then the Guardians, with some, with some assistance from the White Sox, a couple errors and all that good stuff, they load the bases for two with two outs. It's 8-4 to four at this point. And Josh Naylor steps up to the plate. And Josh Naylor delivers, man. Josh Naylor set MLB history on Monday night. And he was fired up while doing so. It was an absolutely insane, insane performance for Josh Naylor, Josh Naylor on Monday night. So he steps up to the plate. Two outs. Bases loaded. Every The scenario that every little kid dreams of in the backyard. Eight, uh, you're down by four. Bases loaded. Two outs. Bottom of the ninth. Uh, top of the ninth. And Josh Naylor steps up to the plate. And, man, he delivered once again. And it was it was amazing to see. And it was one of the best Guardians comebacks ever. Uh, you guys probably want to hear the Tom Hamilton call. So I'll try and pull that up for you guys. But we're going to get into Josh Naylor's history and the history he set on Monday night right after we hear this call of his grand slam that tied the game on Monday night. Here it is, Tom Hamilton, the voice of the Cleveland Guardians, calling Josh Naylor up to the plate. If this thing would ever load, I would play it for you. All right, here we go. Josh Naylor up to the plate, game on the line, two outs, top ninth. Guardians down four. Here's what Josh Naylor did. Here's what it sounded like as well. A couple of errors, and suddenly Cleveland's got them loaded. The pitch to Naylor, and he sends one high. Deep to center. It is gone. Unbelievable. A grand slam for Josh Naylor. The fifth for Cleveland. We are tied at eight. Then the White Sox. So that's what it sounded like on the radio. Uh, it was a great game. A lot of people didn't stay up for it, but it, it was eight to two, and the Guardians scored six runs in the top of the ninth to make it 8-8 eight to eight and extend the game to the bottom of the ninth. And in the bottom of the ninth, the White Sox actually loaded the bases. They had a chance to win it. Uh, I, I believe it was it was either Jose Abreu or Yasmani Grandal, the White Sox catcher. They had a screamer down the third base line, and Jose Ramirez made a diving stop and threw it over to Naylor at first, and Naylor had an outstanding pick. And then that extended it to the 10th inning. And I believe this game went 11 innings. Both teams were held. Oh, both teams got one run in the 10th. Andres Jimenez doubled home a run for the Guardians in the 10th. And then the White Sox got a run as well. And then Josh Naylor, the man of the hour, stepped up in the top of the 11th inning. And he had a good game-winning go-ahead three-run homer. And here's the MLB history. He had a game-trying grand slam with two outs in the ninth, a three-run homer in the 11th, and he had a run-scoring double in the eighth. So Josh Naylor, the Guardians' first baseman, became the first player since the stat became official in 1920 to have eight RBIs in an MLB game from the eighth 
inning on in one game. He also became the first player in Major League history with multiple three-run home runs or a grand slam from the ninth inning on in the game. It was an absolutely legendary moment, a legendary comeback for the Guardians. They went, go on to win that game 12-9, and they're 15-15. and 15. They're only two games back at this point, and their schedule, if you look at their schedule, their schedule's been kind of brutal these these last couple weeks, starting with the, the Yankees, we could even go back to opening day, a, a home opener against the Giants. They had the Giants, the White Sox, the Yankees, the Angels, who are very good teams. Then they swept the A's, which is a little bit of a break. Then they had the Padres, Blue Jays, and White Sox. And they, they got through that stretch 500 ball, which is a very encouraging sign when your when your pitching isn't showing up like it's capable of, Shane Bieber struggled this year. Zach Plezak and Aaron Savali have struggled a lot this year. The hitting has been pretty good, but it's been a little bit inconsistent at times. But the fact that they're fifteen and fifteen through that stretch, and looking at their upcoming schedule, it gets pretty pretty easy these next couple weeks. They have a big series against the first place Twins this weekend, but then they got Reds, Tigers. Astros, Tigers, Royals, Orioles, Rangers, A's, Rockies. Those series are very winnable for the Guardians. If they can take the majority of those series, find themselves in the middle of June, right around first place, right around in that wild card race, I like where this Guardians team is going. But thanks to Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez, Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, the pitching hasn't been the story this season for the Guardians. It's been the offense, and that is very surprising to some, including myself. But you take a look at the leaders in batting average, team-wise, number one's the Colorado Rockies at 256, but then you got the Guardians right there at 255. They're in second place for batting average. For RBIs, the Guardians are fourth in the MLB with 42 RBIs. In terms of hits, the Guardians are sixth in the MLB with 262 hits. They they get on base a lot. They hit the ball. And the the stat they lead the MLB in actually is contact rate, which means they put the ball in play more than any other team in baseball. And that is an encouraging sign for a team that many of us going into the season thought was going to be Jose Ramirez, and that's it. They've gotten some positive contributions from Josh Naylor, from Andres Jimenez, from Steven Kwan, from guys like that. And it's been really encouraging to see these last couple weeks as the Guardians find themselves right in the thick of the AL Central race. Looking at the standings across the board, a couple of teams that are really on fire right now. First one we'll highlight is the New York Yankees. They are off to a blistering, blistering 23-8 start. The Yankees have started 22-8 or better, I believe, seven times in their franchise history. And Six of those times they won a World Series, and the seventh time they made the World Series and lost. So if that's any indication, this Yankees team has a lot to be, a lot to look forward to. But this Yankees team's been propelled by hitting and pitching. Aaron Judge leads the league in home runs right now, I think. He's just been hitting missile after missile. They've been getting some good contributions from Giancarlo Stanton recently. He hit two home runs against the White Sox, but... It's been the pitching for the Yankees. The Yankees pitching has been kind of what's been putting them over the top in most of these contests. Obviously, Garrett Cole is the ace. He's the guy that's getting paid $300 million. 
But they've got some other good pitchers in the staff, including the breakout pitcher that nobody expected to be good this year, Nestor Cortez Jr. He's been very, very good. Luis Gill is good. Uh, they are Their rotation is, is been, has been very impressive this season. Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Jameson Talian, Luis Severino, Jordan Montgomery, all those guys have contributed for the Yankees. And it's a big reason why they find themselves in first place right now and with the best record in baseball. And taking a look at the other teams in the American League that are really standing out to me, the Houston Astros, they've been to the World Series, I think three out of the last four years, maybe. four. Out of, see, they won it in 2017. They lost. They didn't make it in 2018 or 2019. They made it in 20... No, they made it in 2019, lost to the Nationals. They didn't make it... <coughs> excuse me. They didn't make it in 2020, and they made it in 2021. So they've been... Uh, three of the last five years, they've been to the World Series. They've been a dynasty in the American League for the last, like I said, five years. They've been very competitive, made the playoffs every year. Well, right now, they're 21-11. and 11. Uh, led by Justin Verlander, if you can believe that or not, 39 years old, coming off a major surgery where he missed ha- a whole season, and he is playing at a Cy Young level. That is very, very impressive. They're 21-11, like I said, but they've won their last 10 games. They're on a 10-game winning streak, so they're a team to watch, but despite that, they're only a half game up in the standings, and that's because the other team in the American League that you should be looking out for to, that's kind of been off to a really, really, really great start to this season is the Los Angeles Angels. We've been waiting for, I think, the last time the Angels made the World Series, uh, made the World Series, excuse me, made the playoffs was in 2015. They've only made the playoffs once in Mike Trout's career. We've been waiting for Mike Trout to get back to the playoffs, waiting and waiting. And now that we have another generational talent alongside Trout and Shohei Otani, we've been waiting for the duo to make the playoffs. When are they going to make the playoffs? When are these guys going to make the playoffs? Well, it looks like this season could be the season. They're 21-12 and right now. They're off to a very, very hot start. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are both doing things that we expected the two of the top 10 players in baseball to do. Um, and the other night, Reed Detmers, a rookie on the Angels staff, threw a no-hitter. The first solo no-hitter this season. They're getting some good pitching contributions, notably from Detmers who threw the no-hitter. Noah Syndergaard, who came over in free agency, has been very, very good as well. And this Angels team, man, I'll tell you what, if they can keep it up, they're a dark horse, in my opinion, for the World Series. Because when you, you know the old saying, Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. And they have two of the biggest-time players in Major League Baseball in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. So if they can get to the playoffs, I think the Angels can make some noise. In the National League, it's your usual suspects, except for the Mets. The Braves, who a lot of people picked to go back to the World Series this year, they're 15-17, and 17, they're six and a half games back at first. But the New York Mets... Or have the best record in the National League right now. They're 22-11, and 11, and they've been off to a blistering start. Max Scherzer is in Cy Young form. Uh, they, and the scary part about this Mets team is they're 22-11 and 11 with get, getting great pitching performances from Max Scherzer, from Carlos Carrasco, from guys like that. 
but they haven't had Jacob DeGrom yet this year. That is the scary part about this Mets team. When DeGrom gets back, this Mets team is going to be nearly unbeatable when Scherzer and DeGrom pitch, which is two out of every five games. If you get a third game out of, the, of those five games, that's 600 baseball. That's all you can ask for. But they've gotten good starts from Pete Alonso. Francisco Lindor has been kind of shaky, but kind of good this season. And Starling Marte, the addition in free agency, has been good as well. They're off to a 22-11 start. Best team in the National League. You take a look at the other teams in the National League in first place. you got the Brewers, who've won the NL Central the last two or three seasons. They're 20-12. Christian Yelich is looking like the Christian Yelich of old. He hit for his third career cycle this week. Um, and then the NL West, it's the Dodgers who have a one-game lead on the Padres. But that whole division, every team's above 500. Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Diamondbacks, and Rockies. So that's that's something. But the team that's been struggling the most this season is Cincinnati Reds. They got off to a 3-22 and start. But I'm happy to report that they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. They're 8-24 and on the season. They're showing that they remember how to play baseball. And that is a very encouraging sign for the Cincinnati fans. So that's what's going on around the big leagues. Uh, and it's time, I think it's time to transition it to the NFL. What do you guys think? Uh, the NFL, I think, is my favorite sport. But I don't know. I lo- baseball is my favorite sport. But I think the NFL is my favorite sports league to talk about on this podcast. So I think we're going to get into the NFL. We're going to start with the schedule game for the Cleveland Browns. But let's hype you guys up. Let's give you some some NFL primetime music. Make you feel like you're in, you know, week three, week four in October when I'm doing my my Monday recap on this podcast. Let's let's give you that kind of kind of essence before we get into the schedule game. NFL schedule is here. And it is here, and the Browns are up. Let's do their schedule game. And this schedule, the front half of it, especially for the Cleveland Browns, is very, very, very favorable. Now, I'm going to give you guys my predictions right now with the current Browns roster in place. And with that being said, I am not uh, factoring in any signings that the Browns could potentially make, including a, J- a Jadavian Clowney that they could add to the defense, not factoring that into this prediction. And with the current roster in place, I say it like that way because I'm going to give you this prediction for the Browns schedule, assuming that Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson is not suspended at all this next coming season because that's the current way the roster's in place. So I'm going to give you this based off Deshaun Watson playing a full 17 games barring injury. No suspensions, no discipline, no anything. So the Browns open their season September 11th, week one at the Carolina Panthers. And you guys may be saying to yourself, 
Jack, why are the Browns playing the Panthers week one? Doesn't the NFL want viewership week one? Browns-Panthers doesn't seem like an interesting matchup. And to that I say, not so fast, my friends. Because if you guys remember, Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield is on the trading block. And one of the teams he is rumored to maybe get traded to is the Carolina Panthers. Now, I'm not saying the Browns are going to trade Baker to Carolina. Is it a possibility? Of course. However, don't you think Roger Goodell making the Browns play the Panthers week one is kind of a sign that to the Panthers like, hey, trade trade for Baker. It'd be great for viewers. You get some a lot of tickets sold. I don't know. I think that's Roger Goodell's dream scenario because you can't tell me week one the Browns versus Baker in Carolina wouldn't be one of the most watched games of week one. I mean, look at Monday Night Football week one. It's the Broncos versus the Seahawks in Seattle. The only reason they did that is so Russell Wilson goes back to Seattle. It's it's a similar scenario here. With that being said, at Carolina week one, the Browns haven't won a season opener, season opener in what, 22, 24, 26 years, something crazy like that. The closest they've gotten was 2018 when they tied the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that streak ends this year. I think they're good enough to beat the Carolina Panthers. And I'll go on record saying they're good enough to beat the Carolina Panthers with or without Deshaun Watson. I think Jacoby Brissett could start this game and the Browns could win the game. I just don't see the Panthers doing much this season. I don't think they're better than the Browns in any aspect. Sam Darnold's their quarterback. I don't think Sam Darnold's a good quarterback. Christian McCaffrey, outstanding running back, can't stay on the field, doesn't have playmakers around him on the offense. If you're a one-dimensional offense against a team with Miles Garrett on the defense, you're going to get beat. That's exactly how I see this game going. I, I think the Browns handle business against the Panthers week one. Week 2, September 18th, the home opener for the Browns versus the New York Jets. A um, little bit of a trap game, I think, but I think the Browns should have n- not a lot of trouble getting past the Jets. I think the Jets are going to be better this year. I really do. I think Zach Wilson's going to take a big step forward in Season 2 in his sophomore season. But I just think the Browns are better, especially with Deshaun Watson playing in front of the home crowd. The atmosphere there, First Energy Stadium is going to be electric. I think the Browns get off to a 2-0 start. Week 3, September 22nd, Thursday night football on Prime Video this year. The Browns will welcome in the rival Pittsburgh Steelers to Cleveland for a Thursday night clash. Could be the debut of Kenny Pickett, potentially. Uh, but it's Browns-Steelers. D- could be Deshaun Watson's first game against the Steelers in a Browns uniform. Could be Mitch Trubisky coming back to uh, his hometown, Cleveland, as a quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, when the Browns and Steelers get together, it's always going to be a storyline. With that being said, um, I think this game could be another trap game for the Browns. I think it's going to be a hyped-up game. Obviously, I think the Browns have a better roster than the Steelers this year. So, even though a lot of people are like, oh, you can't pick the Browns over the Steelers. The Steelers own the Browns. Okay, but 
that's the Browns of old. This is a new season, a new team. You throw out the records, throw out the past. Like, I'm not going to buy into, especially because Ben Roethlisberger's gone. Are you kidding me? If anything, Ben Roethlisberger owned the Browns, not the Steelers owned the Browns. With that being said, I think the Browns win this game against the Steelers at home. Uh, I'm not going to go out and say that the Browns are going to sweep the Steelers, but I think they win at home. And I think they get off to a 3-0 start. And I think they should honestly get off to a 4-0 start October 2nd, week 4 at Atlanta. So let's have the Browns going, getting off to a 4-0 start. I think the first loss of the season for the 2022 Cleveland Browns comes in week 5 at home versus the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are very, very talented. They've got great star power on both sides of the ball. You look at the defense, Joey Boza, the new, newly added Khalil Mack on offense. They're led by my one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, Justin Herbert. And I think the Chargers get the game week five against the Browns. Hand the Browns their first loss. Browns get off to a 4-1 start. Week six at home versus the Patriots. I think the Browns win that game. They bounce back and win that game. Um, I know they have Bill Belichick, but I could see the Patriots being one-year wonders with Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones, unlike the other rookie quarterbacks in the 2021 class, I think Jones takes a step back this season and isn't as uh, productive as he was his rookie year. So I think the Browns win that game against Mac Jones and the Patriots. Week 7 at Baltimore. I think the Browns are going to lose at Baltimore, split with the Ravens probably this season. The Ravens are tough to beat in Baltimore. They always have been. The last time the Browns won in Baltimore was, I believe, in 2014, 2015, when um, Josh McCown, of all people, threw for 450 yards, and the Browns won like a remarkable game in Baltimore. And it was like one of their one of their three wins that year. It was just an insane game. Point being, they haven't won in Baltimore in a long time. I think the Browns do not win in Baltimore this year. I think the Ravens get them at home. I think Lamar will be fired up for that game. And I think the Ravens win that. So I we have the Browns through the first seven weeks going five and two. And I think they get the win October 31st, week eight. Monday Night Football against the Cincinnati Bengals in Cleveland. I think they get that win. I think they beat the Bengals at home. Uh, they've been played very well against the Bengals. They're 8-1 in their last nine games against the Bengals. And they've been very, very impressive against Cincinnati. And I think Cincinnati could be another team that kind of takes a step back this season after having an outstanding season last season. With that being said... I had the Browns going 6-2 and two into their bye week in week 9. Pick things up in week 10 at Miami against the Dolphins. Will be a very, very, very tough game. Uh, the Dolphins improved this year. They, got, they do have a new head coach, but they obviously the big move the Dolphins made was trading for Tyreek Hill. Uh, with that being said, looking at the quarterback matchup, Deshaun Watson versus Tua Tagovailoa. I think Deshaun wins that each day of the week. And I think the Browns just have a better roster top to bottom than the Dolphins. And I think Denzel Ward can lock up Tyreek Hill. So I'm going to take the Browns in that game 7-2. and two. I think the Browns lose at Buffalo week 11 in against the Bills. That'll be a very, very highly competitive, fun game to watch. Josh Allen versus Deshaun. It'll be two of the best uh, 
fan bases in the game, Bills Mafia and the Dog Pound. It'll be fun to watch for sure. I think the Bills are just a better team, uh, and I think the Bills could honestly win the Super Bowl this season. So I'll take them over the Browns. Versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, November 27th, Thanksgiving Sunday. I think the Buccaneers are going to win just because of Tom Brady. And I'm also being cautious with this schedule. So I'm, I'm going to take the Buccaneers in that game. So 7-4 and four for the Browns right now. December 4th at Houston. Deshaun Watson's return to Houston. I think the Browns win that game. I think the Browns top to bottom, like I said, are better than the Houston Texans. I think they win that game. They're 8-4. and four. I'll, I'll say they lose at Cincinnati. I think the, the Bengals are going to be good, obviously. I don't think the Bengals win on their home turf. I, I'll say the Browns win week 15 versus Baltimore. They win week 16 versus New Orleans. They win week 17 versus Washington. And then I'll say they lose week 18 at Pittsburgh. So with that being said, I have the Browns down for five losses, six losses, I think. Let me count. Bills, Bucks, Bengals, Steelers, Chargers, Ravens. Char- so it's Chargers, Ravens, Bills, Chargers, Ravens, Bills, Bucks, Bengals, and Steelers. So that's six losses. So my realistic prediction for this Browns team this next season is 11-6. and six. That should be no problem at all getting you into the playoffs. It could honestly win the division. I think the Bengals won the division last season at 10-7. and seven. So I see the Browns doing very well this season if Deshaun Watson plays all 17 games. I think they go 11-6. and six. And I can honestly see a couple of those games turning the other way, including the Buccaneers game, including the Steelers game week 18. I can see the Browns finishing anywhere. I'll, I'll give them a ceiling of 13 and four. My official predictions 11 and six. And I think their floor is honestly nine and eight. So I think the Browns are going to have a winning record this year regardless. I think the schedule in the front half is very favorable. I think I had them six and two going into the bye week. So... That's a kind of an ideal start. And the best part about this schedule is if Deshaun Watson suspended for four games, I think the Browns could still go three and one, four or four and out in those four games, just based off who they're playing. So that's my, that was the schedule game for the Cleveland Browns. Before we go to break here, let's go through each team's biggest game of the 2022 season. It's a good way, a quick way to talk about the rest of the NFL schedule. Starting in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills, I think their biggest game is at the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they beat Kansas City in Kansas City last season in the regular season, 38-20. to But the only game everyone remembers is the gut-wrenching 42-36 to overtime loss in the AFC Divisional Round in Kansas City. It's going to be Pat Mahomes versus Josh Allen in Kansas City. It's the second straight year. Uh, Mahomes has ended the Bills season. Uh, it could be an AFC uh, championship preview. That's the Bills' biggest game of the season, in my opinion. The Dolphins' biggest game of the season, their most notable, I think, uh, headline-worthy game of the season, is going to be versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and a big reason why is the Brian Flores situation. Uh, Brian Flores, like we know, was fired by the Dolphins at the end of 2021. And he's since filed a lawsuit against the Dolphins in the NFL. Uh, he is going to be a linebackers coach in Pittsburgh. And he will make his return 
to Miami. So that's kind of the biggest storyline for the Dolphins this year in terms of the biggest single-game storyline. So that'll be something to watch for sure. Dolphins versus Steelers is the Dolphins' biggest game this year. The Patriots' biggest game this year, I think, is at the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, it's Bill Belichick versus uh, Josh McDaniels. Uh, it That's going to be the big storyline. McDaniels has been in New England for a long, long time. And now he's a head coach in Las Vegas. So it'll be the 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 mentor versus the 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 I don't know, the Padawan, the the, the mentee. I don't know what uh McDaniels uh Bill Belichick was McDaniel's mentor. So that's kind of a good storyline there. And I think it's gonna be two wildcard teams, uh two teams battling for wildcard spots once again. They were two wildcard teams in 2021. They're gonna look to stay in the playoff mix. So this is gonna be one of those games that both team have both teams have to win to stay in the playoff race. So that's the Patriots' biggest game at Las Vegas. I think the Jets' biggest game this season is at home versus the Patriots. The Jets haven't beaten the Patriots since December 27, 2015. They've lost 12 straight to its division rival. And the Patriots have outscored outscored the Jets last year 79-19. It's the battle of the second-year uh, second quarterbacks and Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. And I think this season is the best chance the Jets have to beat the Patriots since 2015. So I think that that'd be a big game for the Jets is to try and beat the Patriots on your home turf. So that, those are the AFC East biggest games this season. AFC North, for the Ravens, I think their biggest game is at the Cincinnati Bengals. The, last, the, the Ravens came into last season with lofty expectations. But injuries and the Bengals contributed to Baltimore finishing last in the AFC North. Uh, and the Bengals dominated the Ravens last year. The Ravens were outscored 82-38 to in two losses to the Bengals last season. But assuming the Ravens are fully healthy, this matchup at Cincinnati will show us if this Ravens team is for real this season or not. So I think Ravens at the Bengals is their biggest game this season. For the Bengals, I think their biggest game actually is at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you could pick the rematch against the Chiefs. You could pick any one of their AFC North games, but I like at Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously Joe Burrow and the Bengals made an unexpected run to the Super Bowl, but it's going to be fun to see Joe Burrow have a chance to match up against Tom Brady. Uh, it's going to be an exciting quarterback duel, but I think it's also one of the most challenging road games on the schedule for the Bengals, and it's a big prove-it game for the Bengals. And they need to prove that last year's playoff run was not a fluke. So I think that's the biggest game for the Bengals this season. For the Browns, the biggest game for the Browns this year, no question, is always versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Always. Always, always, always. Last year was supposed to be the Browns season, but uh, the Steelers swept the regular season and went to the playoffs, and the Browns had to make some changes. Roethlisberger's gone now. The Big Bad Wolf is gone. The Browns made the major offseason move of acquiring Deshaun Watson. He's going to be Cleveland's long-term coaching solution. Uh, Mike Tomlin, since becoming the coach of the Steelers, is 24-6-1 against the Browns. But this season, this Week 3 game versus the Steelers looks like an opening for the Browns to officially move past their division rival, so I think that's the biggest game for the Browns this season. 
For the Steelers, I think their biggest game this season versus the Patriots. Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, two of the greatest coaches in the NFL. Uh, the Patriots have won eight of the last 11 meetings. This is going to be Tomlin's test to show that his Steelers are built for better for the long term without Roethlisberger. Big game for the Steelers. AFC South, the Texans, their biggest game is versus the Browns in Houston. Um, they traded Watson to the Browns. Watson returning to Houston will be a big, big game for the Texans. I don't think the Texans fans are going to welcome back to Sean with open arms. It's going to be, uh, it'll be, it'll have a lot of eyeballs on it, that game. But I think that's a big game for the Texans to kind of show the Browns and Watson that, hey, we're better off without you. Can they do it? That's a different question. But that's the biggest game for the Texans. The Colts' biggest game is a similar thing. We're better off without you as they welcome in the Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz makes his return to Indianapolis. Carson Wentz threw for 27 touchdowns and 7 interceptions last season, but the Colts moved on because he cost them a playoff spot. Uh, the Colts have a new quarterback in Matt Ryan, uh, and they will welcome Wentz and Commanders into Lucas Oil Stadium. So it's a prove-it game for the Colts and a prove-it game for Carson Wentz as well. Biggest game for the Jaguars, I think, is versus the Lions. It'll be cool to see the number one pick, Trayvon Walker, versus the number two pick in Aiden Hutchinson. And it'll be fun to kind of compare, like, hey, oh, since the Lions won this game, they made the better selection or something like that. It'll be cool to compare how the number one pick, Trayvon Walker, and the number two pick, Aiden Hutchinson, play. Jaguars-Lions, it's always fun when the number one and number two teams that picked in the draft play each other. Biggest game for the Titans, I think, is at the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, it's A.J. Brown revenge game as he's on the Eagles. And it's kind of a perfect game for the Titans to show that Traylon Burks, their newly minted drafted wide receiver out of Arkansas, is for real. AFC West, biggest game for the Broncos. I think it's versus the Raiders. The, these are two of the teams with the biggest offseason moves of the season. The, the Broncos... Landing Russell Wilson, the Raiders trading for Devontae Adams. It should keep both these teams in the mix with the Chiefs and Chargers for the 2022 division title. Uh, these games between the Broncos and Raiders should have playoff implications on the line. So that's why I'm saying the Broncos' biggest game is versus the Raiders. The Chiefs' biggest game, I think, is versus Cincinnati in Kansas City. I think the Chiefs are going to seek revenge against Cincinnati Bengals. They were swept last season by the Bengals, losing in Cincinnati during the regular season, and then being stunned in the AFC Championship at home when the Bengals made the Super Bowl. Both matchups delivered on the hype of Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. So I think Mahomes will be hungry. The Chiefs will be hungry to win that game against the Bengals. Biggest game for the Raiders is, I think, versus the Chargers. Last season, uh, the Raiders beat the Chargers Week 18 with the late overtime field goal to make the playoffs. Both teams have bolstered their roster, uh, but it, it's a this game will be a good question for the Raiders playing the Chargers. Are they still ahead of Los Angeles in the AFC West race like they were last season? For the Chargers, their biggest game is always when you have a quarterback of Justin Herbert's caliber. It's always going to be at Kansas City. 
The Chargers had the busiest offseason of any team in the NFL. They traded for Khalil Mack, re-signed Mike Williams, signed J.C. Jackson, signed Kyle Van Noy, loaded up the defensive line, and added another receiver for Justin Herbert. They just missed the playoffs last season, but they're trying to make their path a little bit clearer this season, and their target is clear. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. They did everything they could this offseason to try and halt the Kansas City Chiefs' streak of six straight division titles. Um, and when they play uh, at Kansas City Week 2, first Thursday night football game of the season, the NFL world will be watching to see if the Chargers have what it takes to challenge the Chiefs this season. So that's the AFC, the biggest matchups for the AFC. NFC. Dallas Cowboys, biggest matchup at Green Bay. Uh, It'll be Mike McCarthy's return to Green Bay as the coach of the Cowboys. Obviously, everybody remembers the did Des Bryant catch it game in the playoffs. These are also two teams that are title contenders. They'll face off week 10 in Green Bay. It'll be a very, very highly anticipated matchup. For the Giants, I think it's versus the Washington Commanders. Um, the, the Giants made some additions this offseason, both in the draft and free agency. They boosted their offensive line and give, gave Daniel Jones more targets. The question on everyone's mind for the Giants this season is, are those moves enough to pass Washington in the standings as the Giants finished in last place behind the Commanders last season? For the Eagles, their biggest game is versus the Cowboys. Last season, the Eagles got smacked by the Cowboys. They, and they finished three games back of Dallas. Um, but they made the playoffs. They got a pretty good productive offseason drafting uh, Georgia defenders Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean. And they traded for A.J. Brown like I mentioned earlier. Uh, the series against the Cowboys for the Eagles this season could be the difference of finishing first and second in the division. And the Commanders' biggest game this season, I think, uh, actually is another return game like we've been saying. Big theme of the NFL schedule is Kirk Cousins making his return to Washington versus the Vikings. Kirk Cousins has only faced uh, his former team once back in 2019 when Washington hosted the Vikings in a 19-9 Minnesota win. Since Cousins left, the Commanders haven't found a steady replacement for him under center. They're hoping to change that for Carson Wentz. But this game will be a good to kind of show uh, Kirk Cousins versus Wentz will show a comparison for what Washington has in Wentz and what it could have had in Kirk Cousins. The NFC North, biggest game for the Bears at the Jets, Justin Fields versus Zach Wilson. Uh, it's going to be two of the uh, young quarterbacks in the league on rebuilding teams duking it out. For the Lions, I think it's versus the Bears. Uh, the, the Lions added some depth. They got Aiden Hutchinson and Jamison Williams in the draft. Uh, Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown developed a good connection last season. Detroit is still far away from being a contender in the a- NFC North, but how they fare against Chicago could be a good indicator of where the Lions stay in the division. The Packers' biggest game, I think, is at Tampa Bay, Brady versus Rodgers. Green Bay has gone 0-2 against the, the Buccaneers in the regular season since Brady's been and playoffs since Brady's been there. Uh, it'll be Brady versus Rodgers, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's going to be fun. The Vikings' biggest game, I think, is at the Packers. 
there's mounting excitement in Minnesota over the 2022 NFL season. Devontae Adams is gone. They uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins. This team is uh, is going to be competitive this season, and they I believe they think that they have a real shot of winning the division, which is why the game against the Packers is their most important game. I think the Falcons' biggest game this season is actually versus the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. The Falcons believe that they were going to be the team that landed Deshaun Watson in the trade this offseason. But rather than return to the Falcons, Watson changed his mind and went to Cleveland. The Falcons got Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter so they could get a first-hand glimpse of what, what Watson would have looked like for them when they play the Browns in week four. Carolina Panthers' biggest game this season, I think, is versus the Atlanta Falcons. Um, it's kind of a, uh, a measurement of growth game for these two teams. I think both these teams could be competing for the number one overall pick in next year's draft, but they both have exciting weapons on offense, and this matchup could provide like a measuring stick for which team is further along than the other. The Saints' biggest game this year is versus the Buccaneers. Uh, since Brady's arrived in Tampa Bay, the Saints have swept all four games against the division rival, except in the playoffs. But can the Saints continue their dominance without Sean Payton and with Jameis Winston back? It'll be interesting to see for sure. The Buccaneers' biggest game this season versus the Rams in Tampa Bay. Obviously, the Rams ended their season last season in the divisional round, but these two teams now enter the season as, with the best odds to win the Super Bowl. Brady can avenge his most recent playoff loss against the Rams. That's why it's their biggest game. NFC West, Cardinals, their biggest game versus the Eagles. Kyler Murray versus Jalen Hurts, both quarterbacks, exciting style of play, dual threat quarterbacks, and both these teams could be competing for playoff spots. The Rams' biggest game, the opener against the Bills. Could be a Super Bowl preview. Um, Josh Allen, Matt Stafford, there's going to be some fireworks. Um, it'll be hyped up as a potential Super Bowl preview. Big game for the Rams. 49ers' biggest game this season is versus the Rams. They snuck into the postseason with a win on the final day of the regular season against the Rams, but then lost in the NFC Championship 20-17 to to the Rams after winning, leading that game 17-7. to Both... Uh, teams are expected to remain in the hunt for the NFC West crown in 2022. Seahawks biggest game week one versus the Broncos. Russell Wilson makes his return as a member of the Bronco to Seattle. It'll be a very, very entertaining week one Monday Night Football game. We are going to take a quick break when we come back. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. You won't want to miss it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to season four, episode six. Of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. Let's start with the NBA playoffs. They're in full swing. We're rapidly approaching the conference finals, which is hard to believe, but one team has punched their ticket to the conference finals, and that is the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat beat the Sixers in game six, 99 to 90. Jimmy Butler, who in my opinion has been a top five player in these playoffs, 32 points, eight rebounds, four assists. This Heat team is fun to watch. I told you in September, October, that the Heat were my favorite in the Eastern Conference to make the NBA Finals. And they've shown up. They've done a great job. 
in this in the playoffs just showing what kind of team they are, what they're capable of as a team. They have a star in Jimmy Butler. They have a great supporting cast around him. Bam Adebayo, Max Struess has been very good. And they have a top coach ever, a top 15 coach of all time, in my opinion, in Eric Spolstra. This Heat team's for real. They've been to the Eastern Conference Finals two out of the last three years, making the finals in 2020. So it'll be interesting to see who the Heat match up with. The other Eastern Conference series in the NBA is the Bucks and the Celtics. The Bucks lead that series 3-2 with Game 6 happening in Milwaukee. And this series has been back and forth, back and forth. The Celtics blew a lead in Game 5 in Boston, which would have given them a 3-2 lead. And the Bucs came back to win it. The Bucs have been without Chris Middleton this whole series. <coughs> but it doesn't matter because sometimes in the playoffs, all that matters is that you have the best player on the floor. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player on the floor. In Game 5, the Bucs won 10-107 win. Giannis had... 40 points and 11 rebounds. He just dominated and showed up for the Bucks. And his teammates, Drew Holiday, is obviously a very good player. He almost had a triple-double in that game as well and had some amazing defensive uh, plays as well. Now, Game 6 of that series is tonight. Robert Williams listed questionable for the Celtics. Now, this game is tough. I believe Milwaukee is favored to win this game. And win this series, obviously. But I'll say this. I'm going to pick the Bucks to win this series because I think the Bucks win tonight's game. I'll say the Bucks win in six. But if for some reason the Celtics win this game tonight, the Celtics can pull it off, I'll take the Celtics to win this series in seven. I just think the momentum from winning game six would carry into game seven, especially on your home court in Boston. The Bucs don't want this series to go back to Boston. They absolutely don't. So I think they're going to come out firing tonight. If the Celtics can withstand that first punch from the Bucs and battle back into this game, limit Giannis, make somebody else beat you, the Celtics should win this game. But I think the Bucs win this game. So I'll pick the Bucs in six, which would give us a Bucks heat Eastern Conference Finals. In the Western Conference, we have one game six tonight. And that is between the Grizzlies and the Warriors. And the Grizzlies absolutely dominated the Warriors in Game 5 on Wednesday. The Grizzlies won 134-95. to They completely dominated the Warriors after being down 3-1 in the series. And the crazy thing is the Grizzlies didn't have John Morant for any of this. They were led by Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, and Tyus Jones, who each had 21 points. And they held Klay Thompson and Steph Curry to 19 points and 14 points. The Grizzlies have been good this season without John Morant. And they're going to have to continue to be good if they want to make it to the Western Conference Finals. Because John Morant, after hurting his knee in Game 4 or Game 3, I think it was Game 3. In Game 3 was uh has missed the rest of the series and will be out for the remainder of the series. So the Grizzlies, they're going to have to find a way to do it without Jaw two more times if they want to make it to the Western Conference Finals. That's a big reason why I'm sticking with what I picked before the series started and taking the Golden State Warriors to make it to the Western Conference Finals. I think the Warriors probably get it done tonight.
And then we have one officially confirmed Game 7 in the NBA Conference Semifinals. And that is between the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. Now this series has gone how we see some other series go. And that is that the home team has won every game through six games. The Suns dominated, took a 2-0 lead after winning the first two games in Phoenix. The Mavericks bounced back in Dallas. They won games three and four. The Suns dominated in game five, winning by 20-plus points. And then last night in game six, the Mavericks dominated, winning 113-86. to Last night, Luka Doncic had 33 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker combined had 32 points. So that just shows the type of player Luka Doncic is. Um, Luka's 23 years old. He does not have an all-star teammate on his team. And he's still one win away from leading his team to the conference finals and beating a team that won 60-plus games in the regular season. That would be crazy. If this game wasn't in Phoenix, I'd pick Dallas. But since I have to be a realist... I'm going to pick Phoenix. So I think we're going to get a Milwaukee-Miami Conference Finals and a Phoenix-Golden State Conference Finals. With that being said, I could see Dallas winning that series and I could see Boston winning the Milwaukee series. I don't think the Grizzlies have enough in the tank to beat the Warriors without John Morant. That's just my opinion on that matter. All right, let's talk about some NHL before we go our separate ways. The NHL playoffs are even in the they're in the first round, and each series, I think, has gone to at least game six. So the series that have been clinched, I think there's only one of them, and it is the St. Louis Blues. They win their series, first-round series, 4-2 against the Minnesota Wild. The Blues won yesterday's game 6-5-1 in St. Louis, and they move on to the next round. There will be two confirmed Game 7s in the NHL as we will have... Oh, the other series in the NHL in the first round that was won was a sweep. It was the Colorado Avalanche, who are my Stanley Cup favorites, who I think will win the Stanley Cup. They swept the Nashville Predators. They they won that series 4-0. But besides that, all the other series are up for grabs. Let's start with the games that are going on tonight. We have Game 5 of the... Game six, excuse me, of the Penguins versus Rangers series. The Penguins won a thrilling, thrilling game one of this series, four, three, and three overtimes. The Rangers responded winning game two, but the Penguins, the Penguins, what are, what, the Bengals, I don't know. Well, I don't know what I'm saying. The Penguins, excuse me, there we go. The Penguins responded in game three and game four in Pittsburgh and dominated, scoring seven goals in both games and taking a 3-1 series lead. The Rangers bounced back the other night, winning 5-3, and now the series looks like it could be turning for the Rangers. Uh, Igor Shesterkin, the Rangers goalie, has struggled mightily in Pittsburgh in this series. He got pulled in Game 3, I believe, after getting out four goals in the first period, and he got pulled eventually in game four as well. The Penguins have been with their third string goalie, Louis Domingue, each game of this series. Um, and tonight, they their injury luck is kind of bad as well, as they might be without Sidney Crosby 
as he got hit in the head late in last in the last game of this series. If they're without Crosby, I don't know if I could see the Penguins winning another game in this series. But with that being said, I think the Penguins have the better team in all actuality. I think the, I think the Penguins kind of put some pressure on Igor Shosturkin tonight. And the Penguins close this series out tonight in Game 6. We have Game 6 of the other series in Washington. The Florida Panthers lead the, the Washington Capitals three games to two in that series. And this was a series the Capitals once led two to one. Big game in Washington tonight for the Caps. I think the Caps get it done on their home ice tonight in Washington. I think they the Panthers, obviously, they won the President's Cup in the regular season. The, you have that uh, the stigma of winning. If you win the President's Cup, you won't do anything in the playoffs, which has been true for the last however many years. But the Panthers have bounced back since going down 2-1. With that being said, I think this will go 7. I think the Caps win tonight. But when the series turns back to Florida for Game 7, I think the Panthers get it done. Game 6. There's another Game 6 tonight, and that is between the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars uh, in Dallas tonight. A very, very competitive series it's been. The Flames... I believe I picked the Flames to win this series and go to the next round. So I'm going to stick with the Flames. I think the Flames steal the game in Dallas tonight and win that series in six. And then we talk about the potential game sevens. There are two confirmed. Uh, the Bruins, the Boston Bruins at the Carolina Hurricanes. Very, very similar to the NBA series that I was talking about between the Suns and Mavericks in that the home team has won every game. It's in Carolina. I think Carolina's the better team. So I'm going to take the Hurricanes. And then we got Game 7 in Toronto between the Lightning and the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs have been a very, very good team all season long. Austin Matthews, 60 goals scored. An absolutely insane season for him. But they bet they're up against the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. The Maple Leafs went up in this series 3-2. But the Lightning, since they lost to the Blue Jackets in 2019 in the playoffs, they got swept by the Blue Jackets in 2019. Since that, the Lightning, which has, I think the uh, it has encompassed two Stanley Cup runs. They're 17-0 in the playoffs following a loss. So when the Maple Leafs went up 3-2, you were thinking... The Lightning are going to win the game six. And although the, and the Maple Leafs led yesterday in game, in game six, it went to overtime, but the Lightning made it 17-0 after a loss in the playoffs across the last two, two, three seasons, and they forced a game seven. And the other thing is the Maple Leafs haven't won a first-round series since 2004. So the Maple Leafs fans are probably thinking, oh boy, here we go again. And the Lightning fans are probably like, this is what we do. We don't lose series. We always come back when we need to. It's game seven. It'll be in Toronto. At one point, one of these teams has to reverse the trend that the trends that are happening. And I'm going to go with what's the saying that I said earlier about Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Big time players make big time plays in big time games. And I think Austin Matthews is going to get the big goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs to win their first 
first round series since 2004. And they will win game seven, in my opinion. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Jote Sports Pod. That's at J-O-T Sports Pod. Until then, we'll be back with another award-winning episode next week. But until then, I've been Jack Bernie, signing off.